at least recycle. Recycling does nothing and you know it. That's true. <laughs> Ripperoni. Yeah. It make brain happy, though, so. <laughs> Serotonin. Okay. Sometimes you just got to make brain happy. Some Literally, life is all about making brain happy. Yeah. It, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why is brain so hard to make happy? Why brain so demanding? Brain's so uh. See, and then I, t- I use my breaks to make brain happy, but then brain gets upset because brain thinks I'm not doing enough work over my break. What? Uh, brain said, mm, That's capitalism imposter. getting you down, baby. Imposter what? syndrome. Because <laughs> I don't have all of my fucking Sherlock Holmes lines memorized by the time rehearsal begins. Like, Yo, I saw, t- I saw, I saw a... a- tiktok and you know one of those memes it's like specific majors are like i can't hang out tomorrow i have blank due tomorrow mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. so the music major one said i can't hang out to i can't hang out i have imposter syndrome due tomorrow <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> y'all brain said there's no ethical consumption under capitalism <laughs> and it hurts it hurts brain. brain says there's too much vodka in this drink no, she brain doesn't. Needs to take it easy. No, she <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> Chill out, brain. Don't be a party pooper. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Thoughts with Victoria, Tessa, and Emmeline. <laughs> what? Did we just, change the name? Just thoughts, you know. No drinking. No no political banter. Just thoughts. Just thoughts. It's a good goddamn lie. <laughs> it, but sorry. what if my thoughts are just political banter? <laughs> oh, God. What if all I think about is alcohol? Anyway, um, my name's Victoria. I am Emmeline. I'm Tessa, and welcome to Shitface Facts, a podcast where three college BFFs with a love for research and alcohol get together each week to teach you something new. Can I talk about what I'm drinking first? I'm the most excited. So yeah, go yes, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I guess go first. So I, ha- I, f- I went to the liquor store today, and mm-hmm. I found this wine, $10 bottle, which like, yeah, yeah, right? $10 yeah. bottle. It's the called, good kind. Yeah, it's, it's called <laughs> Old South. Um, and it's, oh. it's native to Mississippi. It's okay. It's made in huh. Natchez. And I said, oh, and also, I don't know if you guys eat a whole lot of like muscadine stuff. I'm sorry. Like, what? Muscadine? No. The three muscadines. Oh my God. Is that the shit? Is that the shit that beavers give off? No, <laughs> you guys need to get your hands on some like muscadine jelly. That shit is so good. Huh. This wine, this wine is made from muscadine okay. grapes. It's a sweet muscadine table wine, and they Ooh. make they make like a red, a white, and a rosé. And I bought the white and the rosé, and I'm drinking the white right now, and it's fucking good. And it was cheap, and I was like, made in Mississippi. Thank you. And also, yeah. muscadine. <laughs> yes, you guys. <sighs> Tessa, I'm sure muscadine it. is a fine substance, but it sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's so good. It's just like really sweet. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's if a kind a, of grape. Yeah, it's a grape. Yeah. Oh, I'm, she said muscadine grapes. 
Okay, <laughs> I missed that part because I was so hung up on it's on muscadine. <laughs> you guys got to get your hand. You guys didn't live the small town life. You got to get your hands on some muscadine jelly. It's delicious. <laughs> Yeehaw! No, you're right. I did not live the small town life. <laughs> I wish. Um, I can go next. Um, it's my greatest shame. Ooh. So. Ooh. Okay, listen. Yes. Oh God. So I'm gonna uncork some more. Okay. Uncork it, baby. So here's the thing. Uh-huh. As we know, I have a dietary restriction. Yes. Okay. I cannot eat gluten. Yes. It um it gives me it gives me a little bit of bubble gut. <laughs> it, it upsets my tummy. Uh-huh. And it it makes my brain foggy. Okay. <laughs> so oh. So um I have to have special bagels. Uh-huh. I don't have to have them. I just really like them because oh. I love bagels and I haven't had a bagel in a really long time. So <sighs> Trader Joe's makes really good gluten-free bagels. <laughs> Is that so, what you're drinking? Uh, so I, <laughs> just, bagel juice. <laughs> so I went to Trader Joe's. Uh-huh. I, um, I really feel bad. I've turned my back on the proletariat, on... <laughs> my brother and i'm drinking three buck chuck okay i'm glad i got that off my chest okay i have no idea what that is i don't know what it is but mln how dare you how dare you okay i'm sorry y'all didn't grow up in the big city life so three buck chuck (laughs) (laughs) you're right oh my god i'm so sorry three buck chuck used to be known as two buck chuck which was Uh it's basically just a really cheap wine it's made by trader joe's it's called charles shaw um, this is their red table wine, and it won like a shit ton of awards back in the day when it first, you know, came out. Since mm-hmm. then, inflation. Now it's three buck chuck, but at the time, it was called two buck chuck, and it was two dollars, and it was really, really famous because it won a ton of awards, and it's only two dollars. So, oh. there you go. So why is it bad? Yeah. That sounds like a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it is a great deal. It's just Trader Joe's is really anti-union. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. So. How I dare you talk about that? I know. Uh, gross. I'm, Tessa, tell your dad I'm sorry. Oh, I, I will. <laughs> How dare you go to the most conveniently close grocery store and, and actually no, buy food you know that you need it, to survive? It, yes, it pisses me off mm-hmm. because it's close. It is so close. It is so cheap. I consistently save almost 30 to $40 off my regular grocery run if I shop there. It's mm-hmm. like, ugh. And you know what else pisses me off? Okay, it is a very cheap grocery store. It is pretty accessible, right? And do you know where they build it? Rich-ass fucking neighborhoods where those people don't need cheap food for shit. Nope. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, they're worried about their image, so they don't want to build grocery stores and... <laughs> Poor neighborhoods. So. <laughs> um, well, I'm drinking vodka with Diet Seven Up. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a party. It's a party. I'm about to pour some more. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> oh, also, fun fact: this the white wine is is called Blue Bayou, and it's in a blue bottle. And I think oh, that's cool. say ooh, save the bottle and use it as like like take the label off and use it as like a decorative like living yeah. room piece. You know, put so it on a shelf. Put a candle in it. Yeah, bitch. Really tall, like church candles. Yeah, that's so how you, you can do get it. it like Michaels. Yes. Yeah.
All right. So today's topic is all right, brain. What you talking about? <laughs> Today, on, brain. brain is talking about something that's a little old, a little, a little spooky, a little dangerous. Um, oh, is yeah. that Vegas? Is that you? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay, so it's gonna sound really boring, but the more I talk about it, I promise it's not. So today, I'm talking about Queen Elizabeth the First makeup. Oh, her makeup. Her Ooh. makeup. Yes. So I. So you know that queen that's got like the really, really, really white skin mm-hmm. and like the like the bright like pink cheeks and like red lips. That was the makeup, queen Elizabeth. The makeup that I wore in that one production of Twelfth Night. Hell yeah! Really unfortunate say, guys. It was a phase. We don't need to talk about when I was twenty-one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that was actually just Emmeline, uh, junior year of college. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that was was the, that was the beauty standard of the Tudor era in England. Um, and so I, my, the title of this piece is The Evil Queen Who Looked Like Snow White. Ooh, that's clever. But, um, thank you. (laughs) Um, my sources. Victoria? Yes. Big brain. Big brain, wrinkly Big brain. I'm, I'm, pa- I'm giving brain a pat on the back. She did good. <laughs> Give brain a pat on the brain. <laughs> so my sources are a YouTube video from a channel called Weird History, um, and a- another YouTube channel called uh, In Your Face Makeup and History. So yeah, let's get into it. All right. So, how did Queen Elizabeth come to reign? Good question. I can tell you. Um. So, because of the rules of inheritance of the time, um, by the time Henry VIII, you know, you know Henry VIII, right? That guy. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time he died, yes. <laughs> his nine-year-old son lived just long enough to fuck it up, um, and he inherited the throne at nine years old. Uh, even though he had two older sisters, the rule was, mm, boy king, girl stupid. Um, what a fucking loser. Yeah. I hate this kid. <laughs> but he did change the rules before he died. They just weren't implemented until after his death. So by the time. Bruh. Yeah. He wanted to make sure he was king first. He was like, no, 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 no. Matrilineal. Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll take care of that. But after I benefit. <laughs> so um, his nine-year-old son became king and then he became really sick and decided before he died that his sisters were dumb and that his 16-year-old cousin, Lady Jane Grey, should be the next in line for the crown. Mm-hmm. So okay. when he died, Lady Jane Grey was ready to inherit the crown, but his eldest sister, Mary, said, nah, fuck that, and beheaded Lady Jane Grey, and so mm-hmm. Queen Mary became the, affer- the first official queen of England. And she was very mm-hmm. ruthless. Bloody Mary. Am I right? Um, uh-huh. Don't say it anymore. <laughs> uh, so... Queen Mary didn't have any children, so when she died, the crown got passed on to her younger sister, Elizabeth, who became Queen Elizabeth I and the last monarch of the Tudor era. End scene. That's how much I know about... um, There's one CPG Grey video about the history of um, the inheritance of the British crown, and I've watched it so many times. I don't know why. It's just so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, So... Queen Elizabeth I, 
Her makeup was characterized by porcelain white skin and ru- ruby red lips, which was the beauty standard of the time, as I mentioned. Um, and she had ladies in waiting who would spend, on average, four hours on her makeup at a time. So, yeah. oh god, she's doing that no body contour? makeup. You kidding? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank <laughs> you. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. She's like a sheet. <laughs> And there's like there's nothing that contours literally just like piling makeup on her face. It's just the the sheer amount of layers yes, that have to damn. get on there. But what I want to talk about is what's <laughs> in those layers. Ooh. What's what's Ooh. let's crack open this onion, can I, shall can we? Can I take a guess? Asbestos. <laughs> Ooh, I want to guess. I want to guess. Guess lead. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, thanks. We'll have thanks. To see. We'll have to Lead see. was in everything. <laughs> oh fuck. Um, I don't even know if asbestos like existed. <laughs> right. Just felt um, like a good joke. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the base that she would put on her face was called Venusian Ceruse, which was a cosmetic made of vinegar and you guessed it, Emmeline, white lead. <laughs> white lead. <laughs> yes. And vinegar. So they oh, would right. mix it up, and crush it up, exfoliant. turn into a powder, and then she would powder her entire face and neck with this substance and made her smell like sour wine. Uh, is what Yummy. Say. Yeah. <laughs> Those sour so, muscadine grapes. <laughs> <laughs> so just imagine you're out, you're out and about, you've got your, the, the heat of the English sun blazing onto you. Um, you're wearing a giant ass dress and you're just literally melting and the the lead makeup is just like melting into your skin and basically like baking oh. your face. Oh, it's God. disgusting. Yeah. God, um, climate change kills, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks to science, we know now that applying large amounts of lead to your face is very dangerous. But um, small amounts of lead. You're golden. We can talk about the Radium <laughs> Girls another time. That's oh, a story for another oh, time. No, I wanted to do that one. Okay, okay. <laughs> that is really I'll, interesting. So I'll let Emmeline do it. I'll let really? Emmeline do it. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll save it and surprise you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, We're doing it like um, a year when we've forgotten about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so applying large amounts of lead to the face could cause, would cause, did not could anything, would cause hair loss, skin deterioration, and ultimately death by lead poisoning. Mmm. Mmm, tasty. I don't want to think about skin deterioration. But Sorry, I'm there's gonna be a it. lot of I that, do, so. all day. Let's <laughs> oh, go. <laughs> Just look at your, your, um, Cetaphil cleanser and be thankful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she would also have her handmaidens pluck all of her eyebrows off so she didn't have any eyebrows. Like a like a Jeffree Star moment, you know? Oh, ew. That's in now, yeah. Yeah. I was about to say. Oh, um, oh. And she wore a bright red lipstick that was made of cinnabar, which is a toxic material that contained, you guessed it, mercury. Oh. I did say wow. mercury. That's what I guessed. That is what I guessed. I said mercury. <laughs> hey, Tessa. Don't rewind. It's what I said. <laughs> um, so she, with the combination of lead and mercury on her face, um, her makeup was literally eating away at her skin. 
Um, Y'all, what did her face like look like? Oh, I'm getting. I'm gonna get there because it oh, gets okay, worse. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, poor so, baby. Her skin was already kind of fucked up to begin with because as a teenager, she got smallpox, you know, as you did. As you do. Yeah. yeah. And um, they thought, oh, she's not going to survive this, but she did. And as a result, her face was covered in uh, scars, like acne scars, but like worse. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, moody. And so yeah, she uh, was insecure about those, which is why she started covering her face up in makeup. But the oh makeup would make her face God. worse, no. and she said, "You know this what's is, gonna, you know what's gonna make this, is this the better." Story of how many teenage girls? How many have uh, suffered? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, she would to hide these scars. She would put the makeup on, but then the makeup would cause more scars and wrinkles. And then she said, "You know what's gonna make this better? Adding more makeup." So she kept yep. adding layers and layers and layers. Towards the end of her life, she would layer about an inch thick of makeup on her oh face. Oh my Jeez. god! An inch. That's your wow. thumb. <laughs> oh fuck! Mm-hmm. Ah, that's <laughs> ah. The weight of that must have been. Yes. Ah. Uh. So you're probably wondering, how did she take her makeup off, right? You know, just slap on some micellar water yeah, on a cotton pad and call it a say. day, right? <laughs> no. Um, okay. So, oh, no. Okay, listen. We've all had that one night where we're just too tired to take the makeup off. We just sleep in it, right? We've all been there. Yeah, every did time we film this podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did apparently, she sleep in her makeup? She would keep the makeup on her face for up to a week before oh. taking it off. No! <laughs> and then I wrote, talk about pore blockage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when, your, when your pores have an inch of just shit between them <laughs> and air. <laughs> yes. God. And so um, the lead would soak into her skin, which made it gray and wrinkled. And then she would put on a makeup remover, which consisted of, it was a mix of eggshells, alum, and more mercury. And that was the makeup remover that a lot of women back in the day would use because it made your skin feel soft, but that's because it literally stripped everything off of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. What What do we use now that in 20 years we're going to be like, yeah, you better file a class action lawsuit because that stuff, it was literally melting your kidney. Like, oh, God. The no. St. Ives apricot Glycerin. scrub. Ah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Hyaluronic um, acid. No. No. Um, I trust you. St. Ives, friend of the show. <laughs> um, so, Queen Elizabeth was aware of her status as a female monarch. And she said, quote, We princes, I tell you, are set on stages in the sight and view of all the world duly observed. The eyes of many behold our actions. A spot is soon spied in our garments. A blemish noted quickly in our doings. End quote. So. Okay, yeah, because your job is to, like, be rich and look pretty. Like, I'm sorry. That's what you do. Yeah. Um. So she was aware that she was... She was aware of her insecurity about her face, and um, she didn't want anyone wondering, like, oh, is she really ugly? And so she made it illegal for anyone to produce an unflattering portrait of her. <laughs> oh, shit. As you do. Mm-hmm. 
that's some Donald Trump shit, in my opinion. <laughs> that's that's scary. Yeah. Um. So her beauty secrets were finally exposed when, in 1599, the Earl of Essex, the Earl of Essex, saw the queen without makeup and her wig on because she like her hair was falling out and so she had to wear a wig. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. Which showed the bald, scarred, elderly woman that she was. Oh. Yeah, that's... Okay, but, like, that's really rude that he exposed her like that. Like... Yes. That's rude as fuck. Cancel Who was she harming other than herself? Earl of... Exactly! (laughs) Canceled. I don't know who you are today, but you're canceled. (laughs) So... The side effects of mercury poisoning were memory loss and irritability, um, which she supposedly suffered from at the end of her life. And it was so bad that she refused to let doctors examine her when she was uh, towards the end of her life. And she wouldn't let herself rest because she said if she would sit down or lay down, she wouldn't be able to get back up. So she stood for 15 hours at a time. Or something like that. And Holy then shit. her handmaidens would like put pillows around her for when she eventually fell. <laughs> oh, um, wow. she didn't rest. She would just fall down. Yeah. Lord. Yes. Ooh. So um, she still believed that she was still the young, shockingly white queen that she once was once upon a time. Um, but I she mean, wasn't. She. Oh, I was. Well, was she not wearing the makeup anymore? I mean, I guess, but... So, like, how, maybe a know, little bit. I don't know. It's just, like, the... You know when she you take on... I get what you're yeah. saying. I'm just um, distressed about all of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, in, so, sadly, on March 24th, 1603, Queen Elizabeth I passed away, leaving no heirs to the throne. But that's a story that's for cool, another though. time. Um, I can tell you about... Who became the next king after her? <laughs> right now or like? Oh, in just a week? later. No. <laughs> in oh, a year, oh, okay, we've forgotten it. Yeah, in a year. Oh, if line says radium girls, I'm just gonna interrupt her um, <laughs> suddenly and say like, the next king of England was actually. Um, <laughs> so uh, possible causes of death include cancer or pneumonia, but we all know that it was like because of the makeup that she wore had a big role in it. Yeah. Um, of how she eventually died. But there's also another theory that she died of blood poisoning because of her coronation ring. So let me tell you about that. Um, she wore a ring that she had on her finger since she was coronated. Um, and the ring started cutting into her finger because her skin was so poisoned and like started puffing up that the ring was getting so tight that it was literally cutting into her finger. And so doctors were like, let's surgically remove it. And then they did. And then a week later, she died. Oh, can I ask you a question? And if you don't know the answer, it's okay. Because, like, I don't either. Mm -hmm. What is blood poisoning? Because it sounds a lot like when they would say she has consumption. Or, like, (laughs) it's the hysteria. Like, you know, like, (laughs) that's just such an unscientific. I think it's when your blood gets exposed to toxic stuff like lead and mercury that it gets into your bloodstream and kills you that way oh wow tune in next week what is blood poisoning (laughs) (laughs) shit that's in your blood that's not supposed that does not make up blood 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Um, Taco Bell's got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently, after she died, a handmaiden of hers noted her coffin exploding. Oh! Because... <laughs> so, this is very common. Actually, I think it's called, like, exploding casket syndrome. I think that's the actual name. Um, but what? it's when your body is in a casket and it's locked up so airtight that it becomes, like, a pressure cooker. Because her body was so, like, gross and toxic at this point that it was yeah, releasing all these Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of fucking fumes. mercury in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was releasing all these fumes and it just got, it turned into basically a pressure cooker that it, it's, like, it busted, you know? Wow. Damn. This is real. Yes. So a handmaiden saw that and started telling people that her coffin exploded, but it was dismissed as Jesuit propaganda, which I don't know oh, how that, <laughs> that, was that category. Jesuits, man. They're Jesuits. <laughs> propaganda. Ugh. This is a whole nother story. I'm so- Yeah. Um, so lead makeup dates back to the 5th century in the Roman Empire, but it Fucking wasn't cla- so but lead wasn't classified as a poison until 1634, which is about 30 years after the queen died. Man. They like they used to okay, little shit-faced fact about Romans and lead. <laughs> so apparently lead is really sweet, so they used to like put Ugh. it in their wine. Yeah, yeah, Romans used to put like lead in their wine and drink lead in their wine because it like sweetened their wine. I swear to god those fucking Romans. No wonder they fell. God. <laughs> <laughs> they all died from lead poisoning. Damn. The story yeah. no one wants you to know. Oh. Here we are exposing the truth. Um, so, yes, that is the story of Queen Elizabeth and her makeup and how it led to her death. That's wild. Damn. Thank you. Wow. Something I, ne- I never thought about. Okay. Let's crack crack my knuckles. Ugh. All right, <laughs> here we go. Emily, like you snapped. I can't- I can't handle being angry today, so I hope your topic is lighthearted. You know it's not. Come on. (laughs) Okay, so I will say it's probably more lighthearted than I think any of my other topics have been. Okay. Um, And I, so I, fair warning, I I wrote this in a fever dream. I I don't remember reading my sources. I don't remember (laughs) writing it. (laughs) It's all I turned on my laptop and it was learning. done. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're all learning together. <laughs> it's a new it's a new kind of shit based It's a new facts. day. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, my topic, I, I pose a question to you. What does income tax and public fountains have to do with prohibition? Um, <laughs> they, uh, wow, they, I, I don't know. We're going to learn together. They taxed... Um, fountains because they had alcohol in them yeah they were they were putting beer in the in the fountains (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh i guess for this piece i used the following sources Um, box uh pbs (laughs) heinz history center um the oversimplified history youtube channel yeah podcast 99 yeah, yeah, yeah. The podcast mm-hmm. 99% Invisible and the CDC. 
I'm scared. All right. So. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Um, actually, so prior to the prohibition movement and the ratification of the 18th Amendment in 1917, something like 30 to 40 percent of all taxes collected by the U.S. government actually came from liquor sales. Right. Really interesting stuff, uh, which is that's a lot. Um, I think. OK, so I am. I do remember some of this. I may have exaggerated a little bit. I think I remember reading the Heinz uh, History Center said that uh, it was something like two hundred million dollars in like 1860, 1870 money, which is. Oh, wow. I'm oh, wow. guessing like a lot. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a big number now. But like then. Woof. <laughs> All right. Um, the United States actually has a rich history uh, with actually levying, levying taxes on alcohol, uh, which is like they could do it, but people didn't like it. Uh, the first time, notably, that it happened was after the American Revolution when the United States government tried to tax whiskey. Um, there were a lot of uprisings. Most famously, the Whiskey Rebellion of 1791, because the tax actually only really taxed small producers in Appalachia and not really large producers of whiskey. So uh, not taxing okay. the rich. Yeah, yeah. Not taxing the rich is actually a really big American sport. Um, but yeah, so that tax that was like un unfairly burdened poor manufacturers and like small companies was repealed in 1801 but around about 1861 a man you might know by the name of abraham lincoln actually what? brought back the alcohol tax never heard i know yes yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah who, who are you sewell who yeah <laughs> sewell would have kept alcohol tax-free <laughs> tax-free <laughs> well as as you'll find out maybe that wasn't necessarily the uh the thing to do but so lincoln brought back the alcohol tax on all alcohol to help fund the i don't know if you heard of this the civil war and <laughs> no, as you can um, imagine not super popular war, yeah the civil war is gonna have to be another episode because i don't know i don't know, I don't know yeah i'll it. cover it don't worry okay. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unlike the whiskey tax, which was repealed, the alcohol tax was actually never repealed, right? Before Prohibition, apparently everyone in the U.S. was just drunk all the fucking time. For real. <laughs> so they drank at work. They drank at uh, public hangings, at home, in the bath. They drank everywhere, right? At the bar, at the where the people bar. hang out <laughs> at the at the park i don't wherever the, they hang at out the aquarium. wherever there are public the fountains <laughs> their kids soccer game <laughs> <laughs> they drink, drink everywhere <laughs> um so a prohibition initially was really spearheaded by women who were tired of having their tr husbands be like drunk all the time Mm -hmm. and like being apparently like domestically abused um so the uh yeah the, the the movement for prohibition was initially started by a lot of really concerned women right so temperance and the women behind the movement it was called temperance and the women behind it started to gain a lot of traction and they actually very effectively started getting a lot of states and counties to adopt local dry laws which as anyone who, you know, lives in, like, East Texas would know, yeah. is a law 
that a law that you know uh, dictates when alcohol can and can't be bought and consumed. Um, and the one of the ways that the temperance movement did this was by destroying property. Um, they would they would go to protests and destroy property. Oh wow! What do you mean? How? That's wow. how people listen. No, yeah. I said wow. I said wow. Um, oh, sorry. I thought I heard a how, and I was I like, I said how. It okay. Stonewall. Other <laughs> riots. The yes. temperance movement. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so they started destroying property, and people listened. Crazy. All right. So I know. While the women's movement for temperance actually cared about a lot of really progressive issues like women's liberty and labor rights, they eventually had to return home because of like sexism and child care, right? Ugh. So a lot of their husbands started complaining, you know, what are you doing all day? Like, I don't know how to take care of a house. I don't know how to take care of our family. Oh, uh, you know? what is broom? What is, <laughs> what is, what is the, I, how do I use a stove? Right? Like they didn't, uh, and so they complained. And that they didn't have their full-time nanny, who just happens to be their <laughs> wife and is unpaid, uh, to, mm. you know, be home and take care of their children. So eventually they did have to, eventually the protests kind of, you know, disappeared, they evaporated. But the fight for uh, prohibition was taken up by an organization called the Anti-Saloon League that only and explicitly cared about the consumption of alcohol. Nothing else. They did not care about labor rights. They didn't care about women's right to vote. They didn't care about any of it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the Anti-Saloon League actually ended up using. So one of the things they would do is they would go to all of these different voting groups in the United States and they would cater specifically to their fears. So for a lot of like the Christian conservative groups, they would uh, push a lot of like anti-immigrant xenophobic rhetoric. And Blech. for like workers, they would tell workers that like alcohol kept their boss in power and they would tell their boss that alcohol made their workers lazy and ineffective. So uh, literally, <laughs> yeah, they just telling everyone, everyone what they wanted to hear. <laughs> exactly. Wow. That's identity politics, baby. Oh. Yeah. So they used something called pressure politics to which I think now I think once I once I explain this, we'll be like, oh, well, obviously, that's just politics. But like at the time, it was so interesting and new that they had to give it a special name, which is pressure politics to campaign around the country against political candidates who weren't pro prohibition. So they lost their elections. And what this caused was a lot of American politicians to become afraid of standing against prohibition in public. So they became like little titty babies and they just said whatever <laughs> would get them elected. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So even if they like consumed alcohol at in their home, like publicly, they were telling everyone, no, I'm prohibition. I'm pro prohibition. Mm -hmm. I'm pro temperance. You know, we need to get alcohol destroyed lives or all of this. In addition, at the time, there was a lot of anti-German sentiment brewing in the United States. So German immigrants were actually the largest nationality of brewers in the United States. And yeah, that pretty much took care of itself. So you can see how that, that, that uh, I guess, like xenophobic anti-immigrant fear really fed into very, very nicely into their uh, anti-alcohol stance. 
Mm. All right, cool. Yeah. I was expecting a reaction, but this is cool. Yeah, that's just that's just terrible. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yes>. of <laughs> because just, of I'm World very War One, I'm very listening. You know. <laughs> Ooh yes, brain mm. is turned on. <laughs> because of World War One, there were some temporary prohibition laws that were put in place uh, in an attempt to like reserve grain for the war effort. I guess like they're eating a lot of bread out there, but. The United States government went, was not about to give it up permanently, right? Because they were making too much damn money. Remember, it was 30 to 40% of all taxes levied were levied on alcohol sales and production. So yeah. mm-hmm. they're not about to give that up, right? But the Anti-Saloon League had an answer to that. They brought a new federal income tax before Congress that would more or less make up for the money that they would lose in taxes if they passed prohibition, right? So they did. Um, By 1919, the 18th Amendment, which made alcohol sales and the consumption of alcohol illegal in the United States, was ratified by every state. Damn. When the. Yeah, damn. When the 18th Amendment was originally ratified, a lot of alcohol producers actually didn't believe that it was happening because taxes on alcohol was so lucrative for the United States that they couldn't possibly even entertain the idea of prohibition. And many scholars believe that without the 18th Amendment, we would have actually never had prohibition. No, let me read that again. No, we wouldn't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're Hold right, on. but like. <laughs> oh, God. Let me start over. And many scholars believe that without this uh, federal income tax, we actually would never have prohibition because it would just be the government shooting themselves in the leg, right? Mm -hmm. They could not take a hit that big. Mm. Additionally, many do wonder if the cost of prohibition outweighed the gain, right? I think we're we at the podcast are probably pretty familiar with how prohibition like right to the led to the rise of crime which like duh makes sense if you make something that people like that they widely consumed illegal of course there's going to be an increase in crime right duh (laughs) they're still doing it yeah yes but as an article on vox points out there is some good that came out of it right they talk about how after prohibition alcohol consumption did decrease prohibition ended about 1933 I think it's worth noting that this is during the Great Depression when income taxes did plummet. And so obviously the American people probably came around to the harms of alcohol and how it can inhibit your decision making and how, you know, it really just makes you a bad dad, right? Like that is absolutely, they just realized the moral shortcomings of us as a nation to consume alcohol and we stopped, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you're wrong. So, (laughs) you know what actually decreases the consumption of alcohol? Turns out it's clean drinking water. So. Yes. 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 We're rolling. It's rough when the beer is cleaner than the actual drinking water. Yes. Exactly. And what Victoria is pointing out is exactly what the women's temperate movement recognized, right? They recognize that clean drinking water is hard to come by, right? And you know what people historically drink when clean water isn't available? Alcohol, (laughs) right? 
So the temperance movement knew that a campaign against alcohol was also a campaign against hydration. It is not a coincidence that the first public drinking fountain was installed in 1908, and over the next 10 years, the availability of public drinking fountains skyrocketed. As clean water became more available, Americans were just drinking less alcohol on their own, right? Nice. And that, that specifically was the work of the temperance movement, because unlike the Anti-Saloon League, they recognized that people needed an alternative to the thing that was helping to keep them hydrated, which was alcohol. Yeah, it's rough Boom. to present, like, when you say, like, ah, stop doing this, and then you don't offer an alternative. Yeah. Right. Yes, then exactly. people will just want to do the thing more. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that is how, um, that is what income tax and drinking fountains have to do with prohibition. That was so wrapped, that was wrapped up so nicely. I like it. That is not what I, that is not what I was going towards when I, uh, first answered Uh, the question, but it makes sense. Yes. It's, it's wild. And I don't remember writing much of this, but I'm glad that it was semi-cohesive. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tessa, edit, edit this in. Well, Emmeline, I'm so glad you asked that question. Actually, it has something to do with... Um... <laughs> <laughs> she got... Wow, Victoria knows so much. Yeah. Uh, Next, Tessa, your turn. No scholar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm here. It's it's time, I think, that I talk about this. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that I haven't talked about this before now. Oh, um, oh God. Okay. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> it'll make so much sense in a second. Um, I think it was because I've, I talk a lot about entertainment things, and so I was trying to gil- give a lot of time between talking about movies. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, but, but it's, but it's, t- but it's time for me to talk about okay. Scott Pilgrim because oh, Scott Pilgrim oh. versus the world Scott Pilgrim listen Scott Pilgrim versus the world is my favorite movie I have no for a while I used to say that and I was like oh, I know it sounds it's weird but like it's my favorite like no no it's a good fucking movie okay <laughs> so Tessa I have to, you have a challenge in front of you. Okay. Because I also, in my my memory, my nostalgic memory, I also thought Scott Pilgrim versus the World was a great movie. Uh-huh. And then I watched it recently and I hated it. You hated it? <laughs> okay, yes! well. I'm so all right. sorry. I have some, here's the thing, you are entitled to your opinion, but there are some things in it Thank that you. I think, well, Okay, I think are objectively good if you okay uh, if you are like somebody who likes to watch movies and like uh, what am I trying to fucking say? I'm drunk. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> like if you're somebody who kind of like if you have some interest in like film history or influ- okay. f- film influences. Some okay, I'm gonna start and then maybe we'll get there. <laughs> Okay, I just want to I want to admit now that I've never seen Scott Pilgrim versus that the is, world. That is okay. It is Victoria. <laughs> it's on Netflix now. You don't even have to buy it. You just have to go on Netflix and you just watch it and it's like 2 hours of your time. Oh, and you please. can do it from the comfort of your home. And it's so good. Okay. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to So my sources 
are Wikipedia, Associated Press, Time Out London, and also IMDb. Associated Press. Yes, uh, they had a Ooh. they had a, a YouTube video that was an interview with the director that I used. Wow. So, okay. So I'm gonna start start off with talking about because of course like. Movie's my favorite movie ever, um, but <laughs> but before the movie came a series of graphic novels, which I also own and have read, and nice. they're pretty good too. Um, so so the first uh, there are six of them. There are six like volumes, and the first one was written in two thousand four, and the last one was written in two thousand ten. Act- actually, I'm pretty sure when they were making the movie, the last two graphic novels had not come out yet. But oh wow. Um, I, I'll get into that's some Game of Thrones shit. <laughs> yes, yes, but like the guy who wrote the graphic novels was like heavily involved in in the movie, in writing the movie. Oh, okay, so gotcha. There's that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's um, they were written and illustrated. This guy did it all. His name is Brian Lee wow. O'Malley, and he's my nice. hero. Um, <laughs> so it's about, it's about, if you're unfamiliar with the plot of Scott Pilgrim, a pretty good overview of it is, um, it's about Scott Pilgrim, who is a slacker and part-time musician who lives in Toronto, Ontario, and plays bass in a band. He falls in love with American delivery girl Ramona Flowers, but must defeat her seven evil exes in order to date her. Um... It's it's just so, which that sounds so fucking weird now that I think about it. When you read that, you're like, fucking excuse me, but it is a very like the style of it has a lot to do with it. Um, uh, O'Malley was inspired to write this when he heard a song by the Canadian band Plum Tree called Scott Pilgrim, um, nice. which Whoa. I which I listened to and it's a pretty good song and the band has a girl singer. Um, nice. It was pretty neat. Um, and he, he said that it was positive but also kind of bittersweet and I guess that's just kind of the vibe that he was trying to go for with Scott Pilgrim. Um, and he was especially affected by, by the line in the song that's I've liked you for a thousand years which when I listened to the song the line mm. I've liked you for a thousand years is like three fourths of the song. <laughs> it takes wow. those, it's mostly what they say, um, but it's nice and nice song. So he he took inspiration for the illustration style um, by the book called "Even a Monkey Can Draw Manga" by Koji Ihara <laughs> and Kentaro Takakuma. Oh yes. The, of course, yeah. Of course, the classic. Familiar. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yes, and of course the, <laughs> the Bible, illustration. as we call it in this house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the illustration style of the graphic novels was like a shonen manga type thing. Um, and also, I think at the time when he was writing Scott Pilgrim, he, or there was only like one like popular American type manga out called like Ranma one half i have no fucking oh. idea what that is mm. but yeah weeb emily knows what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my dark dark teenage years mm-hmm. um and then he he had other influences as he continued writing the graphic novels um but those were like his his initial influences um Originally, the the graphic novels were illustrated and written in black and white because it was less expensive. Um, mm. And then later they were printed in color. But there is, and I think it's in like the last one, there's a joke in it that's, that is, like the joke 
relies on the print being in black and white. And so there's oh, like no. this, it's like this little note. Um, uh, it's a little note in, in the frame of, of that joke. And in the black and white one, it's like, oh, this is funny. And in the color one, it says like, this joke was funnier in black and white. And I think that's <laughs> so fucking good. I love it. <laughs> um, so, so these, these graphic novels, like after the, after the first one, O'Malley expected it to sell around like a thousand copies and then it sold, um, over a million. So, hell yeah. So then we get one, one of the things that I, I think made me who I am today, which is the movie, (laughs) um, (laughs) true, made me who I am today. Um, and it, it doesn't have the same time. So the first the first graphic novel in in the series is titled uh, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, I think. But the movie is called Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which I think is like, oh, I'd have to go look. But the the second graphic novel is titled that. Okay, gotcha. But it's not like based on one of the graphic novels. It like encompasses all of them. Um, okay. Anyway, got to fight all them evil exes. Mm-hmm. Um, so so. Brian Lee O'Malley uh, was a like somebody told him like dude you should um, you should propose a an adaptation for a movie to a studio and he was skeptical about that at first but proposed it anyway because he was a starving artist and he needed money which you know what mm-hmm. I get it um, so he went to Universal Studios and they picked it up and they contracted. Um, also just a person who I think made me who I am today his name is Edgar Wright and he <laughs> he he directed uh before Scott Pilgrim he directed films like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead those are two okay. of his really Hot, popular Hot ones Fu- both good movies yeah, yeah. I will, I will uh-huh. that, yes. and and after after Scott Pilgrim he, he's directed Baby Driver which is also a really fucking good movie like I saw that movie in theaters and I was like that was so that was amazing I also really love Baby Driver and I was like that was fucking amazing and then I looked it up and realized that it was the same director as Scott Pilgrim and I was like yeah that makes a lot of sense um so uh yeah and he he said that he loves directing movies which I know it sounds pretentious listen but he loves directing movies that like don't fit in a certain box that can't be like labeled oh as one my thing. God. I know. <laughs> oh my! The, he's the kind of guy that after talking to him for five minutes at a party, he would look at you and he'd go, "You know, you're not like other girls." And I think you can see that a lot in Scott Pilgrim. There, I said it. <laughs> okay. Um. So, so Edgar Wright loved loved the graphic novels he loved scott pilgrim he felt really strongly about some of the elements in the story and um empathized with some of the characters he from what i looked at which was the associated press interview but um he didn't specifically say which characters but i he did say that he he liked scott pilgrim as a flawed hero because literally look first scene of the movie you know scott pilgrim's kind of a dirtbag yeah, it's a true yeah he's played by michael Sarah. who else <laughs> My, who only plays pieces of shit except little scrawny in arrested development okay except arrested development where's the little baby angel 
Fun mm-hmm. fact, Edgar Wright wanted to cast Michael Sarah based on seeing him in, in Arrested Development. Um, but well, I'm glad it I'm glad his career took off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you like he's he's dirtbag. And then like he has a character arc, which is nice to see um, ish. He kind of. Yeah. But, you know, yes. OK, so <laughs> next I'm going to talk about how. My next section is just titled "Let's Let's Talk About How Edgar Wright Is a Goddamn Genius." He's so good, <laughs> but he's so good at making movies. He's so fucking good at it. I can't. I can't say I've never seen Hot Fuzz. I've seen parts of Shaun of the Dead, and I've seen Scott Pilgrim approximate appro- wow approximately twenty times, um, <laughs> and I've seen Baby Driver a few times, but it's so fucking Ugh. good. Um, so. I want to keep loving Baby Driver, but everyone in it is so problematic. That's, yeah. Well, Tessa, I mean, I'm oh, glad you like it. I also do not have positive opinions of Baby Driver. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> so I think I think Edgar Wright makes a point of making movies with characters that like, like they're not going to be everything that you want them to be. And no, I, think I mean like, like a, Ansel Elgort, like problematic oh. as a person. I love Baby Driver. I love that movie. I okay. love the soundtrack. I don't know anything about Ansel Elgort being a piece of shit. Mm, I feel like we need to talk Tune about this. next week. Okay. <laughs> shit face facts. Did I, Ansel did I Elgort miss... Ansel canceled question mark? <laughs> did I miss something? I feel like I missed no. something. I, um, I think he just has, like, a bunch of, like, um... Like, uh, sexual assault allegations. Oh, no. I'm Googling this shit right now. God damn it, Ansel. How fucking dare you? (laughs) Hate it. Okay. You know who is... Oh, no. You know who is always wholesome? Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who played Ramona Flowers. Thank (laughs) you. Okay. Oh, Oh, okay. I was... I thought we were... Okay. I don't know the name of the girl who plays the... Sorry. The woman who plays the bisexual, uh, ex... Uh huh. May but Whitman. May Whitman. I mm-hmm. love her and everything. Um, yes, she's, she's she uh, voices she voices Katara really in in Avatar. That's true. What? And she's she's Anne in Arrested in Development. Arrested Development. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, um, my favorite Where she show. and Michael Sarah have a moment. Yeah. Um, they have so. many moments. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> so okay, okay. Edgar Wright's a fucking genius. So yes. Um, he, he, for this movie, he took influence from films like, um, Danger, colon, Diabolique. I don't know this movie, but it's Italian. I can tell you. It's an Italian adaptation of another comic book. Um, and I feel, I think it's something that he liked anyway. Um, but he took inspiration from it for for Scott Pilgrim, um, and he said it has an Italian influence, a sense of completely unbridled imagination, and then he carried that over into Scott Pilgrim, which, yup, see that. Yes. Um, Good stuff. He also took influence from a lot of musical films, which I can I can see and also appreciate, and he probably did that for Baby Driver, too, because there's some pretty obvious, like, choreography going on in there. Mm-hmm. Um but but I really do think for Scott Pilgrim, like in the fight, and you you know I'm a slut for fights. You know I am. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of like he took a lot of uh, influence and inspiration from the music that they were using for the fights, and for uh, I'll get it. I 
fucking love this movie. God damn it. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> he... The next thing I wrote, uh, uh, these next parts were, like, I was watching the movie and just, like, writing shit down, and then I got, I got, like, a third of the way into the movie and was like, I can't do this for the whole movie because then I'm going to have three pages of, of just stuff. <laughs> so I did it for, like, a third of the movie, but the first one I wrote down was that he is, he was so committed to the style that they were using, which is this kind of, like video game-esque. I don't remember where I read this and I didn't write it down, but there was something about, like, um, oh, I think it was Brian Lee O'Malley in, in going to write the Scott Pilgrim books was thinking about, like, what if two people walked up to each other and went to fight and then suddenly you could fight like you were in Street Fighter? And oh. so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's this, like, all the fights are very video game and they can, like, jump really high for no reason. Um, <laughs> And they can, like, Scott Pilgrim is this, like, twerpy little bass player, and suddenly he can fight like he's in fucking Street Fighter. Yeah, that was my question. Cool. Like, he has to fight people, but, like, he, he's pretty he's pretty scrawny, but last I saw. Fight. But <laughs> he can fight! And, like, and that's the, the, uh, another thing I think is really cool about it, is just the acceptance of the world. <laughs> because yeah. it's like a, everybody that you meet that fights, at least is really good at it and you don't know why except for one of the exes he has vegan powers Ugh. and i do love that <laughs> listen <laughs> things don't always have to have a reason behind them they can be Thank absurd you. for the for the sole Just purpose the of being of absurd yeah i did a lot of research on eric Satie and dadaism so that's why i know yeah. that <laughs> oh yeah okay y'all i do love dadaism i uh -huh. love that shit that so anti-capitalist shit so think of Scott Pilgrim a little bit as, a, like, a fraction of Dadaism. Okay. I can't, but okay. <laughs> so, but it's just, the except, like, everybody that you meet that fights is really good at it for, like, no reason. They all have these, like, ridiculous weapons. Um, the the Bi-X that, that Emmeline was talking about has this, like, razor blade whip. And it's pretty what? fucking cool. And oh, you know, there's just there's one this one movie that I just thought about, and I remember I love it so much, but I haven't seen it in a long time. It's Kick Ass. Oh Y'all watch yeah. Kick Ass. I've seen it's parts of it, not all of it though. I used to love that movie, and I literally don't know why because it's trash. But <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have one, you know. But uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like that, but also it has a lot of those video game features where, like, every time you meet a character, there's a little box that pops up that's like Scott Pilgrim, age twenty two, and then like a little descriptor about them, and it's usually like silly or funny. And I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of them are taken straight from the comics, and mm -hmm. they just put them on the screen um and that's fun and they'll do it for like places too like um they go to like the rocket theater and a box pops up and it says the rocket and then underneath it says fun fact this place is a hole and um it's pretty funny <laughs> i like that just the the, the complete commitment because you do see a lot of like in in film critiques you're like is it this style or is it this style? What were they trying to go for? But, like, there's zero fucking question with Scott Pilgrim. Um, it is this and that is what it is. And it's, like, 110% commitment. I love it. Next thing. Um, oh, and <laughs> this was another example of it. So, like, with the whole video game thing, literally, from the the opening thing, which is the Universal Studios, like, theme, you know, it's 
done in like this 8-bit style. The Universal logo is in an 8-bit style and the music is turned into like this video game music. What? So like literally the moment you sit down to watch the movie, you know what it's about, you know? You know Hell what you're yeah. watching and I fucking love it. Um I like that. so <laughs> um but to also to get in a little more about the actors, um it's starring Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim, as you know. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers, who could punch me in the face. <laughs> She's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So, and then also has a lot of other names that are like, I think at the time they were just starting out, but now they're really big. Like Brie yeah. Larson is in it. Oh, um, fuck. Anna Kendrick yeah. is in it. Um, yeah. Aubrey Plaza. Uh, Anna Kendrick, the star of the Twilight movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me there. Um, we have Kieran Culkin, which I only wrote down because I remembered that he's Macaulay Culkin's brother. Um, yes. I was like, Culkin sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jason Schwartzman, which if you don't know the name, if you like look up his picture, you'll know who it is. Um, and Chris Evans is also in it. Which, which yeah. I literally didn't realize it was him until I like watched Captain America and then watched Scott Pilgrim again, and I was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> that's Chris Evans. <laughs> uh, that's Captain America." Um, but it's just it's just a like a lot of big name and May Whitman in it. Whoa, wow, May Whitman is in it. Um, it's a lot of like kind of big names, and they fucking kill it. It's so good. I, um, nice. I do think it's kind of amazing that like in Hollywood, you can really honestly argue that there's two categories of male actors you have the michael Sarahs and the chris evans and i think it's really cool mm-hmm. that they got both in one movie that's really <laughs> impressive yeah and made them two like completely di- here's the thing if they made a different movie chris evans's character could easily be like the main character but it's just not the movie that they were making mm. and i think that's really interesting i love movies anyway <laughs> um the next thing I wrote down in capital letters is the details. D- just, the, <laughs> it's like the the littlest things that, that, and of course it wasn't just Edgar Wright, it was like in collaboration with a lot of other people, but um, just the tiniest details that like bring you into the world and like shit that you don't know. And okay, another reason I really love this movie is that I feel like every single time that I watch it, I notice something new, which is like, Again, I've seen it, like, 20 times, and I'm still, like, the when I was watching it, like, two days ago and writing shit down, I was noticing things that I had never noticed before, and I love that. One that I wrote down yes. <laughs> was, <laughs> is that um, it's the scene where it's Scott and everybody that he's in a band with, and they're, like, sitting around, and one of the guys is on a computer, and it's, like, an, a big old fucking computer, because it's, like, the 90s, and... Mm-hmm. Um, and they're done. They've just nice. Met... I like the periodism. I like it. Yeah. Um. And they've just met Scott's girlfriend. Who? And this is the thing you find out that he's a scumbag in in like the first scene. He's like twenty two, and his his girlfriend is in high school. Um. Ugh. And everybody's like, ew. <laughs> and that's the thing is that <laughs> yeah, everybody. That's a, that's a weird dick move. Like, yeah. let's talk about that some more. Uh, well, and mm-hmm. then the everybody around him, like all the characters around him, are like, what the fuck, Scott. Um, you know and like his roommate who Kieran Culkin plays like meets her and he like grabs her by the wrists and he's like you're too good for him run (laughs) and then he walks away (laughs) so like everybody is like what the 
fuck are you doing? And, it, and then it's made known that, like, Scott has just gone, gone through a really big breakup and that this is, like, so everybody's like, dude, you're rebounding and this is weird and kind of not cool, man. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, but One, rebounding, and two, with a high schooler. Yeah, yeah. And she's, like, a, a, her name is Knives Chow. She's, like, a, a Chinese Catholic schoolgirl in high school. And everybody's like, ew! <laughs> <laughs> You know? Um, anyway, okay, okay. They're sitting around. They've just met Scott's girlfriend. And Kim says, the character named Kim goes, Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. And he goes, yeah, because he, like, doesn't realize what she said for a second. He goes, yeah. And then there's, like, this little computer chime you hear from the guy on the computer where he goes, yeah. And he, you hear, boodoop. And then Scott goes, wait, what? So, like, the... Oh, it's so fucking good. You kind of just have to watch it, but it's so fucking good that he he doesn't realize what she says, and then there's this computer chime that's, like, his brain clicking, <laughs> and then he goes, wait, hold on, what did you say? And that's, I think that's, oh, I think that's so fucking clever and cool, and, um, and there's, like, another moment soon after that has, that involves, like, a computer chime, and it's really neat and clever. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Damn, what? my brain just really be going, like, the... Like the window, like the Windows ninety five or like Windows XP, like da 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 da, like start up and <laughs> shut down music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Scott Scott's brain is just kind of the Windows ninety five <laughs> shit. Um, I yeah. Oh, and to go off of that, like all the sound effects are just super fucking cool and like really well used. Um, and then. The next and this this kind of goes into the what uh, the style as well, but it's like completely like even the characters are committed to like this is the fucking this is the way the world is yeah so so there's a scene where where Scott has ordered a package because he knows that Ramona will bring it to him because she's a delivery girl for Amazon, mm-hmm. um, and she and he's like. There's this dream scene where he dreams that Ramona is bringing him the package and then he wakes up and she's at the door, like, ringing the doorbell. Um, and he opens it and she's there and he's like, oh my god, I just dreamt that you were bringing me this package. Is that weird? And she's like, oh no, there's just this subspace highway in your brain that I like to use. It's like three miles in two seconds or some <laughs> shit like that. And and she goes, she's like, I forgot you guys don't have that in Canada. Like, it's... I. Ah! Like, just this whole, like, yeah, this is how I use subspace highways in your brain. I don't know what, why is that weird to you? It's not weird. Um, <laughs> and the whole, like, video game, like, I can suddenly fight. There's this guy, and he's flying and, and singing a song, and it's, <laughs> what? Um, and nobody cares. It's so fucking funny. It's cool. <laughs> and it's, I think it's kind of an escapism thing, but that's yeah. fine. I'm that, fine with that. Hey, literally, whatever make brain happy. Brain happy. Scott Pilgrim make brain happy. <laughs> and also, to go back to the fights and the weapons, the next thing I wrote down was fights and weapons. Because, <laughs> because I am a slut for fights. I love it. Um, I think the fights are really well choreographed, considering the style. Um, because they're all very video game Street Fighter fights. I love it. Mm. People are jumping around. One guy uses fireballs. Um, nice. Uh, Roxy Richter, the the bi ex, uses a razor whip again. Ramona uses fucking hammer. It's super cool. Um, 
oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, and it's just the people having, like, this superhuman strength that nobody questions. It's so funny. <laughs> um, okay. Here's some IMDb trivia because I gotta move on is is nice. the next, is what I wrote down. I was like, I have to stop. I have to fucking stop this right now. So I wrote down some trivia. Um, so there's, anytime you see a shot of the moon in the movie, there's a hole in the moon. And that is because um, they mention it briefly in the movie, but it's gone into more depth in, in the graphic novel is that one of Ramona's exes kicked a, kicked a hole in the moon for her. Oh, <laughs> I know. Um, and so they and again, continuity. That's another really cool thing about the movie. The continuity is really good. So like even if they mentioned it briefly in the movie, there's a hole in the moon. There's a hole in the fucking moon. And we're keeping it there. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Um, so also also in the scene where Ramona brings Scott a package um, and it, he he orders the package so that he can ask her out. It's like an excuse to get him to his door, get her to uh. his door. Which, again, kind of a scumbag move. That's weird. What the <laughs> fuck did you do that? Um, but he takes it. She, like, agrees to go on a date with him, and he signs it and then throws it in the trash behind him. Um, and, and Michael Sarah like, actually did that. It took him 33 takes to get the package into the trash can. Damn. Uh, I know. Which is like, it's on like the blooper reel for the movie. I've watched it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just watch him trying to fucking get it in the trash. It's so funny. Um, so there's also a scene where uh, Scott Pilgrim and Ramona Flowers are in her apartment and she offers him tea and she's like, what kind of tea do you want? And he's like, there's more than one kind. And... Um, and she lists off, like, 20 different types of tea that's in her cabinet. And uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead did memorize all those. Like, they were telling her, like, you know, we can just put, like, a piece of paper on the cabinet door with all the teas on it if you want. She was like, no. I'm going <laughs> to do I want to commit. <laughs> I'm going to suffer because the easy way out isn't artistic. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm so sorry. Uh, No, I'm I'm glad. I'm just, I'm I'm shutting up because I hate this movie so much. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Turn this into shit-faced fights. In in a lot of, in a lot of situations, I would probably agree with you, but this one does no fucking harm to anybody. (laughs) I don't think she's, I don't think she's a better actor because she memorized it, but I think it's funny. Um, so, so Chris Evans's character, he he plays like a a, a B rate movie star in the movie, um, mm. and Scott Pilgrim has to fight him, and he brings in like a bunch of his stunt doubles to fight for him, and nice. all of those <laughs> stunt doubles are Chris Evans's actual stunt doubles. <laughs> okay. And I was like, are you that's kidding? Pretty, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another one is that uh, there are a lot of, like, Nintendo references in, in the movie. A lot of them are music. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the Legend of Zelda themes are used in it. And there's some Ooh. Mario stuff. Um, and then it also mentioned on the IMDb, and I was like, I, I guess it's kind of funny. Sure. Um, there was a game that was made out of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but... It never got released on any Nintendo consoles. It only got released on PS3 and Xbox 360. Oh, damn. Yeah. But they used a lot of Nintendo references. That's that. Um, So, (laughs) 
another another detail, another good fucking detail. That's like mm-hmm. it's like an Easter egg thing. That's like unless you read about it or were looking for it, you would never fucking know, right? But I appreciate yeah. it. So the band that Scott is in, when you first see them, they're like in somebody's house and practicing, and on the drum set. Um, or no, 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 it's on one of the amps. On the amp, it just says, like, Lame Brand. And then later on in the movie, they get, like, a record contract, and they're, like, playing somewhere fancy. And on the amp, it says uh, Sweet Brand. <laughs> I think that's funny. <laughs> that's it. Um, and then, okay, the name of the band is Sex bob which is indeed a reference to the little things in Mario that are called yeah. bob Yes. Yeah. Indeed, Nintendo Ooh. reference. Um, <laughs> oh, and then the next thing I wrote down was that Edgar Wright thought about Sarah, Michael Sarah for Scott Pilgrim because of Arrested Development, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the next thing is that uh, I think this would be more attributed to Brian Lee O'Malley. I think, yeah, because Ramona has a hammer in the in the books, but um, the the idea of Ramona having a hammer, she like carries this purse and it's really small. Um, but the idea is that she pulls her hammer from Hammerspace. Hammerspace is mm-hmm. in video games when you have... It's like, you know, in Animal Crossing when you go to put something in your pocket and you're like, there's no way I can fit a shark in yeah. my pocket. That's like Hammerspace. Uh, like when, you, when your bag, like, in real life could not fit all of this shit, but you're fitting it in there for the sake of the video game. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's that. And so nice. they... I didn't like, know that had a name. I didn't yeah, either. It's neat. But the idea is that Ramona is pulling her hammer from hammer space. I think that's funny. Um, <laughs> and then all of the, I And again, this is like, I don't think it made them better actors, but I think it's sweet. Um, all of the actors that were in the band in the movie, like, all learned how to play in a band together. Aww. <laughs> um, you know, like, yeah. And <laughs> I did read also that, like, Michael Sarah like knows how to play the bass and so he had to kind of dumb down his bass playing because everybody else was learning (laughs) from scratch um yeah i think it's again i don't think it made him better actors but i think it's sweet um anyway so so the reception of the movie um it it had its wide release on august 13th 2010 um which actually this year they did Oh, it was for a charity. They did like a a read through of not all of the script, but some of the script. Um, oh God, they did a read like a Zoom read through for for a oh, charity. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I watched it. <laughs> uh, and they couldn't get everybody. You know, like Brie Larson wasn't there. Um, stuff like that. But yeah, she's it, too famous now. Yeah. yeah. Chris Chris Evans was there with his dog. <laughs> somehow Um, yeah it was very sweet and yeah and then like brian lee o'malley was also there and he was like drawing scott pilgrim stuff um and so every every so often he would go like hey here's a drawing i did and then that drawing would go up for auction and then all the money would go to the charity um which was super cool and then like the last drawing that he did was ramona and knives and I lost Aww. my goddamn mind. It was so good. <laughs> and I was like, I want that. But I watched the thing on YouTube, like, after it had happened. <laughs> um, so there's that. Anyway, okay. Wide release in 2010, 10 years ago. Whew. And uh, <laughs> it's, 
ended up being somewhat of a financial disappointment. Um, on its first weekend, it made $10.5 million, which was pretty good. Like, that was actually good. But then its second weekend, okay. it dropped to the bottom of the top 10. Um, and so they described it as, as a financial disappointment. But Universal Studios' spokesman um, said that they were still proud of it. So, like, yeah. And it's... Okay, yeah. It's my favorite movie. So, yeah. Nice. I fucking love Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> and I figured it was about time I talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> I goddamn love that movie so much. Nice. Look, listen. If it make your brain happy, good. Yeah. If brain happy... If brain happy... Brain, if brain happy... My mom always says, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Yeah. I didn't if think it, it was... makes you happy. I didn't think it was hurting nobody. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And yeah. which, of course, everybody's into, like, everybody is welcome to not like it. I just like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, no, no. I don't want you to think at all that I'm saying, like, Tessa can't like this movie because it's objectively bad. Of course. You know, of like, course, yeah. If it, if it make brain happy, if it make brain living happy. life easier, like, good. Yes. Yeah. And that's what, it's oh, just, um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And that's Sorry. what I think the, the thing is, like, if you don't like that kind of style of things, then, like, you're probably not gonna... Like, if you're not a big fan of, like, video games and 8-bit shit and, like, fights and stuff, you're probably not gonna like the movie. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, um, do I, I am, have... Yeah. Do I have <laughs> like a strong... Things, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> of course, there are probably other factors going into that, and that's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, like, do I have a strong connection with the 2000s DVD of a production of Cats the Musical? Yes. Wow. wow. <laughs> Is it objectively bad? I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> um, it's very gorgeous to me. Gorgeous. I don't know to anything. Me. Okay, listen. I have, thank God, managed to like miss seeing cats this long. But <laughs> no, the 2019 like, movie is garbage. Don't see it. Like literally, oh, it is okay. Trash. But I, that's why I want to see it because <laughs> I it's get such that trash. But I don't want to pay to see, see it is the thing. No, exactly. No, no. I want the butthole version. Yes. <laughs> you guys know the butthole gate? It's been like no. a year, but I still I still want to see. Apparently, there's a version of Cats. It's called Butthole Gate, and apparently there's a version of Cats where, like, when they turned around, they had, like, cat buttholes. Yes. And <laughs> I, I only want to see it if it's butthole version. I just want to pose the question since since that happened in 2019 and like the prom is out in 2020 what the fuck is james corden doing what the fuck Stop is he doing him and shit what is happening i'm so tired of seeing the I'm same so five tired. people in movies yeah Stop. i was okay i was okay with like into the woods i was like all right and then Fine. Okay, yeah, what the fuck is he doing guy? Oh, what the Dude, fuck is he doing? I'm so, I'm so fucking tired of seeing the same five skinny white people plus James Corden in mm -hmm. movies. Like, I am, please cast other fucking people. Yeah, I am big sick of seeing Meryl Streep in, in a bunch of musical movies. Look. Oof. I, God, I know. Look, if she's she was fine in Mama Mia. Like, whatever. But, like... She's good, but, like, there are other and people. She, here's the thing, too. She's a really good actor, and we've seen it. She's I think she's won Oscars. She's won Oscars, right? Plenty. Yeah, I think, she's won yeah, Oscars probably for just yes. movies and then all of yeah. a sudden we're casting her in these fucking ridiculous musical roles 
Why? 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 <laughs> Why? It, it make oh. money happy. Oh. <laughs> because people are buying that shit. Money people are buying the shit. It's like, what other option do they have? Uh, y'all, I don't. Don't. Also, don't let I up on my soapbox. I love. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Taylor Swift. I'm not a fan of her old work, but her new album she's releasing, Chef's Kiss. I love Taylor Swift. Okay. I don't know why she I'm was glad. put in cats the the 2019 cat yeah oh yeah what the no. fuck was mm-hmm. that what literally the, okay fuck? why why do we cast anna kendrick in anything where she has to sing why do we do that <laughs> why? why are we doing that why does anna kendrick look bored all the time oh my god here's the thing her role in scott pilgrim is very like who fucking cares you know it's very that <laughs> Mm. Okay. It's very like, so hey, the- what the fuck are you doing? And that's it. It's very so. Ugh. So I think I think like there are like aesthetics of acting, and there are like like there are how do you say like fashions and trends in like acting on screen. And I think oh, like yeah. anyone who's seen movies from like a variety of time periods knows that, right? And yeah. I think right now, in my in my observation from all of the television I've watched during quarantine. It, the, the the era we're in is like pretty woman doesn't make a single face during the entire production okay yes. it's just like how which like I don't know a single fucking person that lives their life like that everyone I know yeah. makes big facial expressions they use their hands but for whatever reason on screen we don't want to see that we're oh, like yeah. yeah if you could just do nothing like literally you just if you just here's the there, thing. move your lips here's the thing it, it, it's either it's either right now uh do nothing or do so so much that is mm-hmm. that it is unbelievable that any any person would ever do that nobody would do that do it please like i don't fucking understand um. okay uh, let, let's do this outro real quick yes all right <laughs> and then you can eat dinner <laughs> thank you for tuning into this week's episode of shit face facts if you want to hear us on social media, if you want, if you want to keep up with us on social media, you can follow us at SHT Faced Facts on Instagram. That's shit face facts with no I. And our Gmail is the exact same thing: SHT Faced Facts at gmail.com. Shoot us an email, say hi. You know the works. Um, you can leave us a five star review or whatever star review you want on Apple Podcasts. If you want to leave us a voice message with some drink recommendations or topic recommendations, you can go to anchor.fm slash shtfacedfacts. That's shitfacedfacts with no I. Do you want to know the secret to comedy? And remember, there's no I in team and there's no I in shit. (laughs) 